Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. Today, with an author's at a glance, I'm here with my co-host, Shawnee. Hi, Shawnee. Hi, Bridget. How are you doing today, Bridget? I am doing stupendous. First of all, I sort of went out on a limb because Dark Tarot is uh, the new book in her Dark Carpathian series. And I love Christine Feehan. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like email the publisher just like quick, you know, see if they're interested in an interview. And not only were they interested in an interview, but they also sent me in shining hardcovers of the new beautiful book. And I love it so much. And I was so excited to talk to Christine and just hear all about her life and romance and writing and her kids and how she researches and Shawnee, you were verklempt a few times. I mean, I just, listen, listen, you know, Rag has, listen, I want to tell you right now that when I say I am in my feelings about this interview, (laughs) like I am, I'm still in my feelings. I, I am trying to figure out how I'm about to go about my day because of just how moving this interview was. Not only that, but it was like, it, it was kind of like a, not like a roller coaster, but like a rolling wave, yeah. right? We went, we talked about yeah. the book, we talked about family, we talked about everything yeah. what's important to her. She gave some of the For best sure. advice and Such good she advice. was so open and vulnerable that that like mm-hmm. I'm I'm just in awe of her. Like she could do no wrong for me. I just want I just want to put that out. She can do absolutely mm-hmm. no wrong for me. I think she's dope. I think she's amazing. I think you should go out and buy a dark tarot. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't know, she is the best-selling author of seven different series. She's had 16 books debut at number one on the New York New York Times bestseller list is the word I was looking for. 13 million copies in print, published and translated in 14 countries. She has I mean, like, she's done it all. She's amazing. She's a badass. She's like the OG, you know, one of the titan OGs of paranormal romance. Still writes three to four books a year. I mean, she's she's dope. Yeah. So, Bridget, I mean, I, I think we should just let people, like, you know, venture themselves. Yeah. Christine, man. I, I hear you. Let's, let's, uh, let's get into it, everybody. Let's get it popping. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying now? Romance. Go ahead, girl. Well, hello, Christine. Thanks for being on the show with us. I, in particular, am super excited. I love your books. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. This is fun. Listeners can't see you, but I just want to let them know that you are the most adorable person I have ever <laughs> met. Oh my goodness. How are you? Like, you're just like so cute. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm not sure my kids would agree with you, but <laughs> well, they're always going, mom, your hair, really? Oh no, I love it. I love I love the waves. I love the curl. I I just I'm here for it. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. I was like, okay, Bridget, take it back. Take it back. I was just gonna you know what? It's good that you mentioned children. For those of you who don't know, you have eleven children. And I'm just thinking, like, perhaps writing so many romance novels, really all the research that you put in resulted in eleven children. Does that feel like a fair assumption? <laughs> well, I um I really a lot of my children are adopted. Okay. And um yeah, I I really I felt like there were so many children in the world that needed love and attention and um a, a lot of kids gravitated towards my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would be um 
up late at night and suddenly my sliding glass door would open and a teenage boy would be coming into my kitchen and he'd be soaking wet from the rain and he'd have holes in his shoes and he'd be like, Hey, Miss Finn, do you have any food? And I'd be like, well, you know where the fridge is. And I'd be going and getting him some warm clothes and he'd have holes like paper bags over his shoes or something. You know I mean? You, you hate that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, I, I had that kind of home where the kids would just sort of show up out of nowhere. And I don't know where the word went out. I felt like I had, you know, the graffiti on the, on the trees or something, go to the fee and home and you'd get a meal <laughs> and you could sleep there or something. I, I feel like, you know, um, and I was very curious about this because I, I follow like a lot of adoption and fostering Instagrams because I've always, since I was young, had like an interest in it. So I was very curious as to like, you know, like if it's just like people just have a heart or certain people just have a heart for like adoption or for having people in or that sort of empathy for it. Um, and so I find that like extremely interesting. Also just as a note when I, so I'm one of five kids, but my mom took had um, more kids. And so we were more like nine to 11 back and right. forth. And the snack, um, like the radar for snacks goes out, right? So if you're the house with the string cheese, I mean, we pass that knowledge right around really quickly. We're like, go to David's house. David's mom always has the Dorito, the little individual Dorito packs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. They know. They know. And the hundred kids, man, they come, you know? The, like your your Carpathian series, like there are so many of the different couples who end up either one of them had already adopted children or was working with foster children or street kids or um, I feel like that theme kind of co- weaves in and out of your stories a lot. And some of my favorite ones are like, um, you know, the books with Joseph and Skylar and, and all of them finding each other and like choosing to be family. Um, so I think that that's awesome that that's like reflected in your real life as well. Well, I think you write, um, I mean, I want to say you write what you know, but obviously there's a lot of fantasy involved in you weave it around those, those things. I put a lot of real life issues into my stories because I want people who live those lives to see that you can gain strength and you can, if you don't have families, you can build families and you don't, they don't have to be blood to still have those tight. um, You know, I honestly, when people will say, well, which one of your kids are adopted? I have to stop and think, I never (laughs) say, but I have to honestly stop and think which ones are. Because we don't differentiate in the family. Even the kids don't. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we weren't taught that in my, my parents didn't. I'm one of 14. And we weren't any of those things that I think went on in other people's family. Now that I hear about it, we weren't taught those things in ours. It was exciting when my mom was having a child. Mm. We, we were never... Um, you know, jealous of another sibling. It it wasn't like that in our family. And a lot of my children have adopted. 
and they feel the same way about that adopted child they do a birth child and the issues that come up you know with rape or anything that goes on in real life have when you have a huge family which we do i mean my parents had 72 grandchildren oh, um those things happen in those families you have cancer with children you have death you have rape you have horrible things that happen that you have to go through and so you know i want people to know you can stand back up and and you can live a good life you can have a a good life and so i try to weave those things with encouragement and strength into my stories that is i'm so someone who comes from my parents both big families a lot of cousins a lot of you know um i find that to I don't know. It, it kind of gave me goosebumps as you were talking, um, because just by the sheer amount number of people, right? You're going to ha- encounter X amount of issues because <laughs> just because of numbers, you know. Um, and it's and it's very true. Those things happen, and you rally as a family, you know, around those around those things. Also, the what you said about differentiating between um, who's biological or not biological. That's like a thing that I think my siblings and I struggled with when we got older because um, we never considered ourselves any less um, siblings. But other people want you to tell them whether or not you're biological or not. But like, is that your sister, sister? You know, like, is that your, what is it? Your brother? That's my brother. Like, I don't I don't know what you want me to tell you. That's my brother. You know, and uh, and at a certain point, I would like so people could understand. I would be like, that's my brother, cousin. You know, that's my sister, cousin, you know, like that's my, <laughs> or whatever. But it's it never sits right because it's we never made that distinction. And like it's and I feel it almost feels like othering or like distancing yourself, you know, from well, we actually would say that. In our family, we would say we never make that distinction and we don't say that. And I do the same thing about age when people will say, well, how old are you or how my mother would always say that puts you in a category. And people then will say, oh, they're too old to to play with this group or they're too. And she's like, you don't do that. You know, everybody should be together. Everybody should be able to, you know, you we talk to the young kids just like we talk to the older kids. And the, if they ask a question, we answer them. <laughs> yeah, same. You know? I have a two and four-year-old. First of all, I don't know how you had so many kids and like such a wide age range. So you always had like teenagers and young ones and like, la- I mean, like the, the noise in your house must have been, you know, just loud. Like my dad had 11 siblings. So I thought there was a lot of us cousins, but like when we're all together, it's madness. Like, it's madness. It's loud. <laughs> like go outside. There's too many of you. Mm-hmm. And like, even with my two and four year old, like the decibel levels are just really high. Um, I, I would love for you to tell like other authors or writers or people there's like in any sort of creative thing, like how you manage that. Cause I know we've had some people who come on and they're like, I have to be in this like extreme quiet, but extreme quiet isn't necessarily a realistic thing for a lot of people. So how did you sort of, did you ever realize like, okay, I'm just going to have to sit and write today. Or did you always just kind of go with the flow? 
Well, you know, the truth is that a person who says they have to write in, in extreme quiet, I I don't like to say that's an excuse because maybe that's true for them. Mm-hmm. But if you want to write, you're going to write. Like I, I couldn't, I had to write. Like it was a compulsion for me. And so I had a lot of children. I had to work. If my children needed food and I had to put it on the table, I had to work. I had a lot of little ones. And so um, I was a martial artist and I taught self-defense to women. I took my little ones with me. They had to learn self-defense. My kids were going to learn to defend themselves. It was mandatory for them to come to classes. That was one of the main things that I told the kids. You will learn self-defense. You will come to these classes. And they started when they were like two and three years old because they would come with me to my classes that I was teaching. But when they would do sports and they would do anything, we lived out in the country. I had to drive them to their um, practices. I would sit there and I would write while they did their practices, gymnastics. I would sit there and I would write. And at night when they, I didn't let them do a lot of television. We would normally tell stories, but if they had their hour of TV, I would write. I would sit in the room with them. The TV would be on, but I wouldn't watch it. I would write. I didn't watch television. I would write. When I got tired of their little, you know, bickering, <laughs> I would say, okay, I'm not the mom anymore. So any more of this, you will go upstairs and you will go into your rooms. So you better keep it quiet or the television's off. Oh, that got, that bought me some time to write. <laughs> Especially when you only have one hour of TV. My mom was very much the same. Um, she did not like the TV to be like, like our babysitter or anything like that. So she would... One, she pre-taped like all of our shows that we were allowed to watch. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then two, we could only watch like an hour of TV. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I realized that every time she like gifted us more than an hour, her and my dad were up to stuff. I was like, you, she'd be like, you know what? You guys can watch TV. For a while. <laughs> now I realized her and my dad would lock the hallway door and go back. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, you God. have to find your time. <laughs> and my little teenagers were brats. They'd go outside our bedroom room. You got that lustful feeling. <laughs> oh, they were horrible children. Do you think that actually um, growing up with so many siblings helped you to like tune out when you needed to like, um, you know, like go into your zone? Because like I like I feel like because it was so loud in my house all the time that I just had this capability of like leaving, like mentally just leaving. <laughs> well, you can, but you also have the ability... I did anyway. I could hear seven conversations going on. I'd be like, okay, knock it off. <laughs> As in still keep doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my um, friends all used to come to my house and be like, how are you all having so many conversations over each other at the dinner table? 
but like all at the same time, like uh-huh. everyone's talking and then you're chiming in on this conversation, but you're really talking to that person. And then you're like yelling at someone in the kitchen, get me some Coke or milk. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know. That's just how we were raised. Like, what were you guys doing? Just you're all quiet and taking turns talking. That's like, you're right? all taking turns. That's insane. <laughs> You know, it's funny. <laughs> so I always have to, um, my family generally all gets together in Nashville um, at my cousin's house for Thanksgiving. And when I say it's a convergence, like on a Wednesday, it's a convergence. <laughs> and I always, and because I come from a very musical family, every, like everyone in my family sings or plays an instrument or drums or something. I have to warn people before they come. Like if I bring a partner, I'm like, okay, so I want to let you know one, not only is it going to be loud, but there will be spontaneous singing, spontaneous drumming, spontaneous. And none of them really believe me until they get there. And right. everything is a song. Like if we're, if they're cooking, if they're making a turkey, it's like, I'm making a turkey. And, it's, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then somebody does that. And then somebody hits me with the harmony. Turkey, turkey. Like, and I know every time they're like, I, you did warn me, but I was not prepared for the level. <laughs> I think that's so beautiful, though. That's so perfect. See, I would put that in a book. Oh, <laughs> I got some stories for you, Christine. <laughs> um, okay, well, speaking of stories, uh, obviously, The Carpathians is now in your 34th book, which, I mean, snaps. Like, that's incredible in general. Um, when you started... I'm imagining that you didn't know it was going to be 34 books long, but as you go through and the series was popular and hitting bestseller lists and your editor and publisher, I'm sure were like, Hey, we want more. Did you start to like, think about the paths that it was going to take? And cause I know you have like the family branches, um, which I appreciate that in the book. Cause otherwise I'd be like, wait, which branch of the family are we in? Um, but did you like kind of already know what the family branches were or did they sort of get filled out over time? They pretty much got filled out over time. I mean, characters come to me in groups. I mean, I probably would have years ago been committed to an insane asylum because I hear voices in my head all the time. They talk to me. I hear them and they develop stronger and stronger, you know, the, the, um, characters, each of the characters, and they start talking their stories to me. And so, um, if, if I hear one of them say Skylar and she's talking, then over time I hear her story and then all the people that are involved in her story. Mm -hmm. So I, I might hear about, um, Francesca, because Francesca's really big in her, and then Gabriel, of course, and and then uh, Dimitri, because he's big in her story. And part A, I just want to say, one of my favorite books of the whole series. I mean, I have a bunch of favorites, but I think theirs is just like so heartbreakingly beautiful. Love it. Continue. I I do love that story too. I mean, there's there's some that you know really get to you when you're mm-hmm. writing them, and. Uh, they're all unexpected to me. I don't plot out my stories because mm-hmm. if I did, I wouldn't write them. They would already be, I, I would have already known them. And then I was like, okay, I already read that story and I don't, <laughs> I want to go on to another one, <laughs> you know? 
So um, everything with me is all about the characters. And I, um, I find characters so cool. It's like meeting a new person and finding out all about them. And so I step back completely um, from the book and I go on this tremendous adventure with them. So I'm not there at all when I'm writing. It's all about them. And then they take me on this tremendous adventure. So I, I find it very intriguing. And when I first started it, I really thought, okay, I'm the only person writing about Carpathians. And even if there's 34 couples mm-hmm. in this world, that's all there are. And mm-hmm. so there could be a hundred couples in this world and that's all there are. It's a big world and they could be anywhere in the world. And each couple has its own adventure. And I know people want the same, you know, they want to hear more about this person or that person or, you know, whatever. But um, I always am so excited when I get a new person and I want to know what their story is, you know? Yeah. One thing I appreciate about reading all the books is that a, a lot of authors struggle, I think, past book, let's say five with continuing to make each couple um, individual characters, their their partnership and romance and sex life be different. Um, I think a lot of times, like, it can get stale, which is why, like, you'll read, like, five and be like, I love the series. And then you're like, oh, and now it's sort of feels monotonous. Um, and I think one of the big reasons, at least for me reading, is that you go to, like, South America and then you have leopards and the dragon and then the ancients come in and they're, like, they feel a lot different. Um, like uh, culture, I don't know, culturally is maybe not the right word, but like in terms of like them being so old fashioned compared to like the more modern ancient Carpathians. Um, how did you, did you just like latch onto a character and then decide to shift locations? Like, do you travel and you're like, Ooh, I am now in South America. This is a perfect place for a leopard book. Like, how did you, how do you decide on like where they're all going to be set? I don't, the character does. That's that's the cool thing about it. And um, when this book came out, Dark Tarot, it's so beautiful. We got our copies from your publisher, and oh my god, it's so beautiful. I love it so. I think so it is. I I do believe it's one of the most beautiful books. It, it is. I th- and I, I actually love- made up those tarot cards. Um, the, now the back, my back is different. This is this is actually the back. I don't know if you can see it. Okay. Yeah. Can you mm-hmm. see that? Like, yeah. I um I designed this with a friend of mine and had it made up so it's exclusively my back. And I'm actually having the tarot cards made up. Um Whoa. the Baker Sisters Studio, I think it's called that, did the first um major arcana cards, the first and then the goddess card for me. I was so yeah, excited. So like, if you guys haven't seen the book, every single chapter is a different card from the tarot deck, the illustration of it. Um, okay, keep going. Yes, and I think they're gorgeous cards. And I had them, I had them made up um, because I thought they were so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And anyway, 
I love this book. Are you gonna are you guys gonna sell them as like a deck? Eventually. Um, not, not right away, but eventually I, I support, I support this. So generally I don't, um, I don't get the book because it turned out that like, I have a hard time reading. Basically I can't read anymore. (laughs) I've been listening to audio for so long, um, that when I went to try to read a book, which I didn't discover until we were doing the podcast and both of us were reading a book, I called Bridget. I was like, I can't read, Bridget. I can't read, (laughs) you know? Um, and, uh, and so this is actually, um, I've been trying to train myself back to read, but this is the first time I'm like, uh, I got a book, like an actual book. Um, so it, it came and first off, I was like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful book. Like, this is amazing. But two, I'm in the middle of designing a tarot deck. And so it was really cool to actually see the like um the different cards and everything and i was just like oh this is just like so on time like this is, this is awesome <laughs> so I'm, ex- I'm excited when you guys put out that deck i'll be one of the first people ordering that deck oh i just i loved the whole uh premise of this story and uh you know because i do try to i want each couple to be completely different from another couple i i want them if they're all in a room for my readers to know exactly who each couple is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want them to be the same. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want each of their sex lives to be different. Like mm-hmm. it, I don't want them to be like copy pasted. They, they have to be different. That's actually the hardest part of writing any book is coming the, the up. With, yes, life. because you have to, it, it's all about that couple and how they are together mm-hmm. and not um it it's not about you it has to be about them and how they are and some of them you get to the end of the book and they haven't done a darn thing and others you can't keep them apart <laughs> yeah yeah there's some that it's like the the claiming and the the bonding happens like chapter two i mean they they find each other and it's like downtown <laughs> and then, um, it's like a real real slow burn um mm-hmm. because of different obviously different reasons for each one right. I, I, I think that makes it so much more fun to read because I'm not I'm not like oh well I know for sure on chapter five it's always the chapter where they get bonded and they have their first sex scene it's like some of the characters do the whole you know thing all at once and some stretch it out yeah do you you said you mentioned this earlier, and I'm just curious as to like just like um. So you were saying how like you hear the voices and you and for like the story that you're doing, and you're like I don't outline because then I feel like or not out not outline, but like you don't do like a plot. Yeah, yeah, plot thing. Um, and and I'm wondering. Um, I get this thing where I say like I have something in my body and I gotta get it out. And yeah. is and is that the, is that the feeling like where you're like <laughs> oh I have a story and I just it has to. Like, and until it gets out, it will, it will just like, ah, until, uh-huh. you, until you put it down and write mm-hmm. it as, <laughs> like as a mystery. crazy. Yeah. And it, when I was, um, when I had all the kids at home, they would finally go, mom, my God, go right. You're driving us all nuts. <laughs> yeah. I would get so irritable because I had to write. But now what happens, um, I'm writing one story and I might have two in the back of my head building mm. in, in my head um, where I can I can hear 
somebody going, oh, you got to write me next. What about me? What about Gary? Gary? (laughs) What about Gary? (laughs) Oh, I know. Poor Gary. (laughs) That poor guy. He'll get his bad for him. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, okay. So speaking of the stories like percolating in the back of your mind. So once you like sit down to start a new book, how long does it take you to get that first draft out? It depends upon the, the story actually. Um, normally I can write them very fast because I've already done so much research because I know a story's coming up, mm-hmm. but occasionally it will, um, take, I hit, uh, I recently wrote Phantom Game, and I was really excited to write that story. I had done all this research on plants and uh, all kinds of things for it. I was going back to Team One, and I was excited to do that. And I hit this, I don't know, bump in the road, and I kept having to go back to my research and back to my research and back to my research. To the point that I was like, oh, my gosh, am I going to have to pull this story? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted it. You always want it perfect. I mean, I do. I try to give the best that I can to my readers. I don't ever want to put something out there that I think is okay or good. I, I want it to be as perfect as I can make it. And I know I drive everybody crazy around me when I'm like that. Um, but it, if it if it isn't right to me, if it doesn't feel right, then I I get upset, you know. And it just wasn't coming together the way I wanted it to. And finally, finally, it did. All of a sudden, it just you know, it gelled, but I wrote it three times, like completely from Mm. page one to page 400 and something, you know, to completely, I throw it out and start again and throw it out. And I'm not one of those people that can piece something together because it just makes me crazy trying to fit it like a puzzle. I have to go here to here. First of all, I think that's bold. Yeah. That's bold. (laughs) That one took me, that one took me a while, but then I wrote, um, shadow fire and that one went fast, you know, now I'm, I'm starting red on the river. I'm just starting that one now. And that one probably will take me a little bit of time because I'm not used to doing, uh, mysteries and, um, you know, that one, you, you have to do a little bit more plotting, which I'm not used to because I do have to, um, it all has to fit together. at the end. So here's the kind of thing I do to my poor daughter. (laughs) She's she's the one who has to go out on the river and in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and do a lot of camping and stuff out there. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, now when you go out there and you're hiking I want you to take lots of pictures where the killer might be stalking you. <laughs> and she's I'm like, like I have the heebie-jeebie mom thing. Yeah. She, yeah. She's like, uh, I'm alone out there. Thanks a lot, <laughs> mom. Yeah. And when you set up camp, 
I want you to walk around and see where he might be with his gun. Uh, thanks a lot, Mom. <laughs> He's just a kind of thing. I want you to think like a killer. I need you to really uh-huh. get into the body of a killer. And it, <laughs> yes, that's what I do. For me and hover. Can you see the door? I feel, like, the I feel like in ten years, like ten years from now, we'll have a serial serial killer. We'll find out it's, it's her daughter, and she'll be like, "My mom got me started on this path." <laughs> this is what she tells me, and you know, she had to do that whole thing for uh, murder at sunrise, you know, because she she's very familiar with Yosemite, and so she and her friends would be like walking around, going, "We're never fishing again. We're never, <laughs> we're never going to go to Mount Whitney again." <laughs> Dear Romance Besties, if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance to check out our awesome perks, including stickers, watching movies with us, naughty book boxes, and you can even be on the show. Can't be a patron? You can still support the show by purchasing books or things we recommend through our affiliate links on our show notes and our dope-ass website. Thanks for the commish. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot your review, send it to us on Instagram, and we'll send you some stickers. Now... Bridge, let's get back to the ratings. Yes. Are any of your kids uh, are any of your kids writers or or yes, sort of my son Brian is a writer and he just uh, his first book comes out July or June 29th. It's called Harmony of Fire. I'm so excited. It's such a good book. Oh my goodness. What, what genre does it does that fall in? Romance. Okay, I'm excited because yeah. we don't get that many uh, men romance writers, and not, right. only, not only that, but um, when I was doing when I was recording audiobooks, like producing them, um, a lot of men actually were writing romance, but under women's names, and I was like, I'm I'm excited for men to like come out, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because a romance writer. That's well, awesome. He he has, uh, you know, he used to go to all the conferences with me, always, and. Um, he was, he had no problem, uh, you know, he always was writing. Um, and so he always said, well, you know, I'm always around these women and I have no problem writing a romance. He writes completely different than I do. He, he, he doesn't write at all in the same type of way that I do, but he's very lyrical. And he's actually very romantic. He's he's um, has a partner, uh, Michelle, and um, they have a little son. He's adorable, my grandson. And um, he's the romantic in there. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, he's so adorable with Michelle. So cute. How I many grandchildren that. do you have? You must have you must have a a few. Again, have a few. Yeah. I do. I have, um, I have nine. Nice. Yeah. My parents are, uh, I have two kids and they're constantly like, so are you thinking about us having more grandchildren? And I'm like, that it, you don't just like get a grandchild. I have to raise, I have to, I have to raise this baby. You don't just get a grandchild for free. I said, what about, what about so well, funny. I used to tell mine all the time, well, you know, it's not that hard to go pick somebody up. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. I say, if you want to have more kids, we got to pick one up at a store. We can't, I said, I can't be cooking any more babies. <laughs> my, person, my person, I will just choose one out of a store and I will say, hey, do you, strange child, <laughs> are you attached <laughs> to another family? 
no, come with me. What was uh, it? Can, can you say the name of your son's uh, book one more time? Just it's called Harmony of Fire, and you can actually order it at um, pre-order it at Amazon now, or yeah, any place. Awesome. Harmony of Fire. Harmony yeah. of Fire. Yeah, it has here first. Cover. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so you don't plot your stories, but you do have a world that has a lot of, and like seven different series that all have their own sort of rules of like how vampires are killed, how carpathians are made, etc. Um, do you have like a cheat sheet for yourself on like the side of your desk that you're like, oh, how do they? Okay, yeah, that, that's how it works. Oh yeah, is- oh, yeah. I have um, extensive. Uh, you know, each each of my worlds has extensive um, notes in them. You know, of all of the characters and even their homes, what they look like, and you know, all of that. Because you have to when you go back. Um, it, you know, any of them has that. Um, I think that's great because I feel like world building consistency is something me and Shani have talked about on the podcast before. There's nothing worse than an author establishing it and then breaking their own rules later. Because then well, I'm like, well, well, you, uh, you lied to me. Oh, <laughs> even, even so, I can't tell you how many, uh, I will go through my books. We were doing it the other day and you find a typo after I, I will compare it to my original mm-hmm. and the book will say something completely different. And you're like, how did this happen? And then I'll ask Cindy and she'll look at her notes and it will say exactly what mine said. And somehow when it got printed, it will say something different. And it, uh, <laughs> we all just go one time they were in one of the books, it changed the, the name Gregory to Oregon. <laughs> and when we went to change it back, one of the um, one of the names, it didn't it didn't get changed in one paragraph. And I got all these notes, all these letters. Uh, are you going to write on the new character Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> wait, is G E R? Wait, G R E G O R I is Gregory, not Gregory? Because <laughs> I've always been like, no, no it is Gregory. Um, oh, you know, because okay. it's Russian, you know. I mean, okay, I was you... like, oh my god, I, I just like, no, you got it right. Together. I just <laughs> when I, but seriously, th- these Oregon. are the types of things that happen. It's crazy what happens. Yeah. And you don't even know how. Oh my gosh, there was one arc, this was years ago, like 20 years ago, where there was it it was a thing where I had I had said um that the, he was a construction worker and he'd been in the military <clears throat> and he said she had a nice ass. And the editor said, who's no longer an editor. This was, I'm telling you, years ago. She crossed it out and she said, uh, I don't think he would be this crude. He would say derriere. And she would derriere. And I crossed it out and I, I said, I don't think he would know what derriere means. We had to compromise. And I put, but. And then she, 
I wrote dam and in another thing, and I spelled it D-A-M-N, D-A-M-N, and she crossed that out and said that's such a crude spelling. And she wrote D-A-M. And I said, they would think I don't know how to spell. So I crossed that out, D-A-M-N. Anyway, this went on through the whole book. When the art came out, it was, she has a nice ass derriere, but. All together? And then, yes. All together. And, and then it would be like, oh, damn, damn, damn. And this went out. To all the reviewers. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, this better not be. <laughs> oh. yeah. Yeah. Like, it would have been a five star book except for all of the typos. I have to give it. <laughs> now oh now I'm like wondering because, like, sometimes we re- read books and we're like, how did this get past an editor? Like, there, like, there's a lot of like issues. And I'm wondering if, like, there's like, People out there who are just like, you know what? I'm just going to fix this for them. And then they <laughs> they mess up your... <laughs> also, I agree. Derriere, if, if my hero says derriere, that's really going to take me out of a book. I don't care what the less, style of book. <laughs> it has to be historical. And religious. I, I, what, I don't, when did they ever use the word derriere in real life? Back in the day? It must have been. I don't know, but you know what it is? I think there's part of me that's like... But it's also not sexy. It's not like sexy. Derriere is not sexy. I'm talking about your derriere is not sexy. <laughs> hey, girl. I see I want to squeeze your derriere. <laughs> Every time I see you now, Shawnee, I'm going to be like, girl, look at that derriere. I want to tap that derriere. Oh, derriere. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like I would have... Uh, had a really hard time with that editor. I would have been like, um, it feels like we're on a different wavelength. Uh, I, well, we should, I knew like, that it was not going to work. Oh, and she didn't like the word throat. And I thought, okay, that's work for a vampire story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a real official <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, she's like, actually, I don't think that he would bite her. I feel like he would maybe nibble. I'm just uh-huh. saying. Bite seems yeah. aggressive. She might have wanted you to use nape, you know, like nape of neck. You know, that's a that's <laughs> that's standard. So, I mean, aside from these like very strange ones, did you ever have a story? You know, and I think you're, what 53, 54 books, something like that. Did you ever have a story where the editor like really pushed back on like, I want more sex, less sex. I want more world building, less. Like, did they, was there ever a story where they were like, Yo, this is not working for me. Like, you need to go back and. No, no, I was very, very, very lucky. Um, You know, in my day, um, there wasn't, there was a few of us that were really pushing for um, more diversity in the Mm -hmm. stories. And um, I was lucky that I could, I had editors that you know, I would say I want this kid like Marianne was was black and I wanted her as a heroine. And that was my first uh, question to Berkeley. I want this as my heroine in a story. And is that OK? I wasn't going to sign a contract unless, you know, I didn't tell them that. Mm-hmm. But when I asked that, yes, you can have that because we wanted to pave the way for authors. Mm-hmm. To, you know, 
be able to write those stories that we knew they wanted, you know, the audience wanted that weren't out there. And um, (laughs) I remember when I was talking to Jasmine and Casey, I was in an interview and they finally, you know, they had made it on uh, uh, the New York Times and they finally made the list. And I started crying. I was so happy that finally there was diversity in, in the world that, that was acceptable. Mm -hmm. And it was a hard, you have no idea what a hard road it was. I wrote a story and it was, uh, in, um, uh, what was it? Uh, one of my sister, one of the Drake sisters, Jolie's story. And I had, um, a small side story, uh, where one of the band members was gay and it was just a very small side story and there was nothing going on, but I got these letters. Do you think we want gay sex? (laughs) There was nothing. There was no kissing. There was no gay sex. There was no, but I got all this mail about it. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. We talked to Suzanne Brockman um, and she was talking about how like diversity was a really big point and she had to like really push hard to get it into her sort of like suspense yes. romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said she used to get like terrible author or author, uh, terrible um, reader letters mm-hmm. because she had gay MCs and eventually like slowly worked her way up from them being like side characters and like pushing until finally they were their own um, main characters in the books. Right. She, she really, really led the way. I mean, mm-hmm. Suzanne just, I, I mean, she really did. She, yeah. she pushed hard for it and she took a lot of hits for it. It wasn't yeah. easy. It was not an easy time no. uh, there back then. And it, and it wasn't necessarily the publishing houses. It was, it was a lot of the readers, you know, sure. and, sure. Um, but I, I think there was a lot of support from a lot of the readers too, you know, and so we, you know, I, I was happy when all of this really, you know, started uh, happening. You know, it's funny is like, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm black. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but so, you know, in reading romance, uh, it was really tricky. A lot of things were tricky and trying to find um, characters that look like you feel like you or culturally, you know, similar to you, um, was almost non-existent when, when I started reading romance and especially because historicals, uh, were my, my first genre, you know, and probably my favorites are, are fantasy, paranormal and historicals. Um, and the thing is, I, I didn't expect to see myself in historicals, just the way they're written. But when it came to like fantasy and paranormal and that kind of thing, I was like, absolutely. Like, this is a place where I know that I can exist. It's a fantasy world. It is made, it is completely made up. And so I'd always be really like um, disappointed 
because I felt like even inside characters and things like that, there was a lack, you know, and uh, every time I would find a book with like a black character, you better believe I bought that. And um, I always remember when um, uh, I think it was Vogue. So somebody said some designer came out and said something about how um, black models don't sell. Right. Um, like on the cover of magazines and things like that. And Vogue Italy was like, hmm, let's test this theory. So they released an entire um, Vogue edition that was all black models, like from around the world and everything. Number one selling, <laughs> number one selling magazine of like all time fashion, whatever, like, you know. Um, and I, I, like, I just always remember that. And it, the thing about it is like twofold. One, when you add inclusion into your story, you, people who haven't felt seen will always, just on principle, that book doesn't even have to be good. On principle, we will go out and buy that book, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and two, when you add, uh, when you open that door, like if you're writing 34 books, at a certain point, sometimes you're like, I don't know what story to, like I have left in me to tell. But the more you include other people in cultures, you in, you open yourself up to having so many other ideas of how stories can play out or how, you know, like, oh, I didn't even know that existed in that culture. We, that's something we can super play with or, or that sort of thing. So to me, it just makes logical sense, right? As like an author who wants this to be a longevity career. So just include everyone. And, and then you just, you just open that door and everybody feels loved and included, especially like in fantasy. Uh, and my, my one soapbox about fantasy though, is that whenever there's like um, inclusion in, uh, like if you watch a movie, and I think a good version of this is um, the movie they did with on Netflix with Will Smith. I can't remember the name of it now, but I right really, yeah, I really dislike this thing that happens when they do inclusion in fantasy, which is they will always make like the black or ethnic characters like orcs, um, uh, all of the like real grunty type of characters. And if, if it's a fairy, if it's, you know, elves and stuff like that, they're always the very pale white characters. And I re- really, really deeply, and a lo- all of us really deeply dislike that. So when we get to see ourselves as that dope character, who's like, you know, not necessarily the orc of the story, <laughs> it, it makes us happy and we will spend our money. I will tell you right now, we will spend our money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because who wants to always be the villain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to be the, the hero or the heroine. Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, uh, Suzanne and stuff. I actually am curious uh, what authors that uh, kind of that you came up with that you guys supported each other, even if it was like, I don't know, like reading each other's work or just emailing me like, girl, you good? You out there? You alive? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think a lot of us did. I mean, uh, for me, the person who really, uh, right from the very beginning, when I first came out with Dark Prince, and I didn't know anything, and I mean anything, I I wasn't in, uh, I didn't even know about Romance Writers of America. I came from this very tiny little small town, and I didn't know anything. <clears throat> And in fact, when they, I, I sent my book in and because a friend, I, I needed money for my kids um, to eat. I had uh, been in martial arts for about 20, 
25 to 27 years at that point, and my health had declined a bit, and my doctor didn't want me to continue, and I was like looking for something <laughs> so I could feed those children. They, for some reason, kept wanting to eat. Isn't um, that the worst part of parenting? Uh, they want to eat three times a day with I, five snacks in between, and they yeah. expect to have like answers as to like what they should be eating. I don't know. What? I know. And and shoes. Oh my God, the shoes. So I was like, okay, so what do I do? So I sent in um, my dark prints because my girlfriend said, oh, send it in. And I was like, they're not going to take this. They don't even take vampires now there's no vampires in romance and there wasn't there was they weren't doing paranormal they weren't doing vampires and in fact every single house passed on it they wouldn't even look at it until dorchester did and i didn't know that i wanted to sell it because it was kind of the last piece of me i was you know volunteering at all these places and you know for kids and it was kind of like, did I really want to do that? But I was sure they would turn it down. So when she called, I hung up on her. <laughs> yeah. Bold. Bold, yeah. Christine. Bold. Oh, no, I was like panicking. I panicked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was terrible. So when, they, when I actually went to my first uh, signing, I didn't know anything. And I was so shy. And I was just a mess. And Jane Ann Krentz came up to me and had this business talk with me. She was amazing to me and has been throughout my entire career. She didn't have to do it. She stood in my line to get my book signed. I was, I, I, she was the most amazing person to me. And uh, because of that, I thought that, and, and I remember, you know, I was, um, in, in my first marriage, uh, he was not the nicest of men and I, uh, was lucky to get out of that alive <laughs> with my children. And, um, I remember at one point I went to this martial arts place <clears throat> and I was terrified And there was one girl there and I went over to sit next to her because I was so terrified of men and she was awful to me and I never went back, but I vowed that if I was ever in martial arts and I ever got to any ranking that any woman who walked through that door, I was going to befriend and, and I did. And because of Jane, I thought any woman or any writer who reached out to me for advice, I was going to make sure that no matter how busy I was, uh, I can't mentor people, but I can at least give them some advice. And, and I have done that because Jane did not have to go to a, a nobody mm-hmm. you know, on that first day. And she has been so good to me a few times. I I didn't know what to do. And I emailed her and she was right there. She's an amazing person. 
That's awesome. I was, no. uh, she's one of the authors that we haven't uh, read her book or interviewed her yet, but she's been, um, she's been like in the, in the works for like, we do seasons based on theme. So right now we're in paranormals. So we do them. So we're like trying to like work our way back into a season that, that we can do one of her books. You know what um, I, what, first off, I have goosebumps and I, you made me cry a little bit. Um, because I, I viscerally know that kind of, that kind of support when somebody gives you that kind of support. Um, and, uh, Jane Ann Krenz, um, she was probably the number one author I read in historical as Amanda Quick. Like I, when I say that every, like if there was an Amanda Quick book that was coming out, I was like, I was, I was going for that book. Absolutely. And even when we were talking about author names and so I think somebody even said this, one of their authors was like, um, that we interviewed was like, they picked their name so that it could be near Amanda Quick, you know? <laughs> um, and I thought the same exact thing. I was like, I will pick an author name so I could be near Amanda Quick and in historicals because, uh, she writes the most delightful historical books, mm-hmm. like, Hands yeah. down, I'll, I'll, I'll swear in a Bible, like, yeah. like amazing. And so anyway, I just, I had got such goosebumps and I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that and for you guys. It's awesome. Um, I have a question about movies. So obviously this feels like this should be like a 25 mm-hmm. season long television show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you been approached? Has anyone thought about like developing it, any of your series into movies or TV? Um, well, you know, I do get approached occasionally, but nothing really ever seems to come of it. And I, and, you know, I wish I was one of those people, people who kind of pushed for that. I'm not, I, um, I suppose I'd be really excited and interested if something really did come of it, but I keep my head down writing so much. I'm a book person. I always have been. And um, my friends, they're, they're really bad about, have you watched this movie? No. Have you watched this TV series? No. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I get questions like that all the time in interviews. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite TV series? Because um, <laughs> I, I just read books. And I, if I have five minutes to spare, I'm reading a book. You know, like right now I'm reading Chris, Christopher Rice's, you know, I mean, I, I just, I'm like, I don't know. I'm a book person. <laughs> I try, I try occasionally to, to sit down and watch a movie. Um, and, and somewhere in the middle of it, I, I don't know if I get bored or what happens. I get distracted and then I don't go back to it and mm-hmm. I'll pick up a book. It's terrible. <laughs> you're not there. You're not alone. If I had like a nickel for that, every half of a movie that I watched and will not go back to, or like I get a lot of shit because like I've never seen Star Wars, or like all those movies that everybody are like pinnacle to like you know your childhood, like ET. I've never seen ET. I've never seen Back to the Future. I like, and people give me so much shit for that. <laughs> So you're not alone because of my children, but I was writing. So I can't really say I saw them. (laughs) You like like listened to them as the theme. I'm pretty sure I read them. (laughs) 
like, did you, so just as, this is a side note, I'll bring us back. But as one of a lot of children, you, my parents could not afford to take us to a movie theater. So I didn't go sit down in a theater until I was, no. I don't know, 16 or something. Mm-hmm. And we only ever went to the drive-in in my dad's white van, you know, the one that yes. we, where you kidnap people in. Like we uh-huh. piled into that or whatever. Yeah. And we go to the drive-in and that was the only way that we ever saw a movie like for most of my life. Oh yes. We did the same thing. It was always the drive-in. It was always with my dad and he was so funny. Like we went to see yellow submarine. I remember that. And he laughed his head off through the whole thing. He had this big booming laugh. And then he'd say, that was the stupidest money we should get our our uh, movie. We should get our money back. And I'm like, Dad, you laughed the whole thing. Everybody could hear you. I don't think we're going to get our money back. <laughs> he was so funny. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question that you wish people would ask you about when you do all these interviews? Mm, no, not really. I, I, um, I like the fact that I love this type of interview where we're, we're just talking mm-hmm. and we can talk about, um, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited about uh, this book coming, Dark Tarot coming out because it's very different from uh, the other books mm-hmm. and it's leading in an obviously in a different mm-hmm. direction for a few books. And um, so I'm excited about that. Um, I like the fact that I have all these different series. Um, I, I do want readers to understand that I'm writing a lot of books a year mm-hmm. um, and each one. So they go, oh, why doesn't she write 10 books in this series? <laughs> well, because I'm writing one in each series. And that's right. why you're not getting 10 in each, <laughs> you know. Does it help to jump from story to story? Yes, because then I don't get bored. It it would, I would be bored out of my mind if I wrote, you know, a bunch of books in one series. Mm -hmm. I like um, moving from the Carpathian world to um, the military world. And then into, um, I love my uh, shadow assassins. They're so cool. And I just get such a kick out of them. And then um, <clears throat> I really like my um, leopards. They they were actually, I started writing them before I, I, you know, erotica wasn't really that popular. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of my edge to erotica. Mm-hmm. That was my series there. And then um, I wrote Torpedo Inc. for myself. I wasn't going to publish that. And I was talking to my editor about it. And she's like, oh, well, just send me the first one and let me see. And I said, oh, there's no way anybody's going to read these. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, let's just see. Yeah. And they went crazy. Motorcycle I'm, clubs are very popular. Boys with tattoos. Bad boys. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. I always, you know, I took in a, a lot of children that uh, were pretty abused. And I found out that, and I didn't realize this back, you know, until all this started happening, that when a girl is molested, 
the family and everybody around her immediately wants to give her counseling and they, you know, they're very sympathetic towards her most of the time. I gotta say <laughs> most of the time. I'm talking a young child. It is not the same with a boy. They are ashamed of the boy, particularly the men in the family. They don't want it out to other people, and they don't always want that boy to have counseling. And the older he is, the more that is. And a lot of times he's rejected by the parent, by the father, and by other boys in the family. And it becomes pretty bad. And the longer he has had this go on, the worse that is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I had a lot of um, experience, not experience. I don't want to say experience. I want to use that word, but uh, information maybe with human trafficking before that became a big thing here in the United States, people didn't want to know that was happening. And that's why I did the whole L Drake thing. Mm -hmm. And it was so shocking to people. And um, I knew at some point I was going to write a series where there were boys that had been uh, involved with pedophiles in a very bad way. And I read a lot of reports on young boys that had been um, taken at a very young age. And um, but what I didn't realize, oh God, was that when I talked to counselors, what I was going to be dealing with sexually, the problems that was going to be crop, cropping up. And I thought, oh God, now I'm going to have to write about these problems that they were going to have. And researching the, you know, I really honestly didn't think about that part of it. You know, I was thinking about giving them good lot, you know, finding a way to bring them full circle. Well, some of them you can't do like if, if they're, for instance, Savage, who's mm-hmm. going to be in Annihilation Road first and then in Savage Road, he's a sexual sadist. You cannot bring them back from that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm talking to two different counselors and they're like, no, Christine, this is what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a way to, you know. First, I was thinking, I can't write this story and, and put it out there, mm-hmm. you know, and, but there was such a call for it. Like I had so many letters and I went into my community and I'm like, why do you want this when you know he is a sexual sadist? Because I don't want to write a story where people are thinking he's going to be cured when he cannot be cured. I'm not going right. to write something that's not true you know in the end and so it was really you know I really wrote my I I wrote myself into a corner here what I'm trying to say because 
Well, every every pot every pot has its own lid. So like yeah. you wrote yourself into dark romance. People. Is, what, is what you did. You wrote yourself into dark romance. Mm-hmm. And and Bridget's right. Like one of the things we talk about is like how there is a pot for every lid. And and I really dislike when authors cure someone mm-hmm. of their thing that's the like the happily ever afters they're cured you know what i mean yeah. and not and not they no that, longer like bdsm and you're like why not I, what? Yeah. that's so fun but <laughs> <laughs> she was into it <laughs> he was into it so i i i yeah. like i like that you're like no i mean that's that's who he is that's fundamentally who he is and and that has to be that story has to be told and written and really there's i mean dark romance is a huge huge like huge genre you know, um, that we've delved into, you know, heavily. Um, and, uh, you know, I think as, as a, someone personally who's been through a lot in my life, like, uh, you don't, it's nice when people don't necessarily shy away from, from telling that story because it's not a shameful story. There's no shame attached to that story. You know, well, that's just- the other thing is that when I, when I go into these things, I want to first, I, I research it myself until I reach a point where I understand it. I talk to the counselors and I understand it as much as I can. So I know that I feel no judgment. I know absolutely I do. And then I try to talk to primary sources and I won't talk to primary sources until I absolutely know I feel no judgment because that's not right. You know, it's not right Mm -hmm. to feel it. And then they can really talk, tell me from their points of view, um, you know, how it feels. And I can ask questions of them and um, like the kitten thing in one of, I had to do this kitten thing in one of them. And that was hard for me to understand from the woman's point of view. um, And I was really amazed by some of these women and I, it was in the end, I, I had a lot of respect and for them and liked them very much. You know, Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have gone to one of their little conventions where they get just the women get together and talk to them there. You know, I really liked them as Mm -hmm. people. Well, it's like every day you encounter people, nobody, you don't know anyone's story when you're talking mm-hmm. to them, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and so sometimes when you find out people's story after the fact, you're like, for me, I'm like, sometimes it's just much more respect. I'm like, Matt, like, like how far ha- have you come? Like yes. what the yeah. work that you must, that you had to do to like, to get, to yeah. get, to get here yeah. is, is astounding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with yeah. Yeah. People are very interesting mm-hmm. and women are amazing. I think women are warriors. Well, this has been the best time. I appreciate you going over our hour and spending so much time with us and talking to us about just a whole range of things. This has been such a great interview. Well, I really had fun. Thank you for having me on. They say don't meet your idols, but you know what? Prove them wrong today. Prove them wrong. I'm leaving here with goosebumps. And thank you. Like, just thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Well, I had the best time. And I, I hope that both of you enjoyed Dark Carol. 
Oh. Yeah, I'm like half. Yeah. I just got the book and I'm already halfway through it. And I was like, Shani's like, when are we getting on to do our pre talk? And I was like, oh, I'm in the middle of the chapter. I need time for <laughs> well, I had fun. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.